This is the Crease Cast. Here's your host, Lock in the Crease. Well, it has been a whole weekend since we've done an episode of the Crease Cast. There have been two games since then, and uh, oh, it's really uh, it's really gone downhill, hasn't it? It's uh, this this team, this team, this franchise. You know, this is. The, this is the Vancouver Canucks, is it not? It's the, uh, it is this, this, the Canucks are a 50 year long roller coaster that you can't get off. Is, I, is that the best way to describe this? I feel like it is. You know, I'm, I've admittedly, it's over, been t- over 24 hours since game four. Uh, of course, the Blues have come back to win game three in overtime uh, and four to three. And then, uh, win last night, win game four against St. over the Canucks three to one last night. Um, three to two was the overtime game. Sorry. Um, and uh, things looked so good, didn't they? I mean, it really is sad. It, 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 like people's reactions, including my own, admittedly, um, going in after at the as that game dwindled down, like those final minutes, it really felt like you're watching the death march of a team. Like, good Lord, it, it, it was sad. It was very sad to watch the Canucks ooh, had their worst game of the playoffs, I think. I, there have been, like, the Canucks really have been just either they're on or, that, the, like, the loss against the Blues uh, in, game, in game three was the one game where they looked like they were still, like, they weren't the better team, but they were still in the game. Like, it wasn't a bad, the Canucks didn't play badly. They just had a rough go. Um, game four, they look bad. They look like min- they did in the first game against Minnesota, where they just nothing was going, nothing was clicking. They got a lucky bounce on a goal, like a great, I should say, a great deflection by JT Miller in front of the net. But other than that, oof, it was it was rough, rough sailing. Um, one thing I quickly should uh, before we get any farther into the game, I should clear. Um, I don't know if you can hear it. I have my fan on, uh, the fan in my room on because, um. Uh, it's been very warm. It's, you know, as hockey, as course, you know, as most hockey games are played in 35 degree weather, as, as we all, as we all know, um, it's, you know, I've got my fan on the back. I'm not sure if you can hear it. You probably can, but look, look, I've had some issues with the computer overheating cause it just gets so warm in here. So you know what, we're going to deal with it. We're going to deal with it in the, uh, going forward with the fan on. Hopefully you can't hear it. I did test it before we started the episode. I tested it with the fan on it, and it didn't seem like you could hear anything, so that's good. Um, so we should be good. We should be good here, hopefully. If it's, if it's bad, I will turn it off for the next episode. Just let me know. Um, but now, okay, let's get into the game because let's not waste time here. It was, it was a bad game. It really was. Game four, the Blues were, like, you know, it was close in the first period. It, like, but even then, I kind of saw this inkling of they look slow. They look – there was – I was troubled by the fact that they looked kind of slow and they looked tired. And that was really concerning me. Um, you know, um, it really started off badly because uh, Horvat got hit very early on in the game, slow to get up. Um, and then for the rest of the game, you could tell he looked a little off. He was not going at full max power like he was in those first two games when he was amazing and game three for that matter. He, he, he definitely looked an extra step behind from those first, from those first games. And, you know, it, and, you know, he got hit it. I think it's something with his wrist. I'm, I, I think he went in awkwardly with the wrist and that's why it was especially like puck battles. He was a little bit, he was pulling back just a little bit. 
Um, and it didn't go so well. It just didn't go so well for him. Um, it was a tough night. It was a tough night for everybody, really. Um, the defense was not good. Um, you know, there was like the that that Ryan o Ryan O'Reilly second goal, uh, which was I believe the two to one lead goal, uh, the game winner. Uh, he got he walked right to the front of the net like he was wide open. There were two guys I think on David Perron instead, like covering David Perron, double teaming him, and Ryan O'Reilly's just left wide open in front of the net. He has all the time in the world to beat Markstrom. What what can the goal? What can Jacob do? Like he doesn't have the time or the space to get anything in front of that. It's too late. Um, and you know, it's, it, it was, it was just such a, it was literally one of these games where the, it was it go, again, back to game one against Minnesota where they, they, they play, they, they seem to be making mistakes left and right, left and right. Like some of the, like, even like the Canucks best players, like Pedersen and Hughes, like who are still decent. Like, you know, they were still bobbling a puck occasionally that they don't usually, that they don't usually, um, what they won't usually do. Um, they'll make that, that sort of thing. It, from their case, they were just, it was just every now and then they'd make a mistake on a play that they get 99 times out of a hundred. Correct. Um, for the guys who are a little bit more of a liability, it was really rough sailing. It was tough. Um, you know, the power, I, I will say the power play was not good. That was, I don't think anybody, I think everybody knows that like the rep, like, just special teams in general was awful. And I was, and I, I was mad about it today. Like just thinking back on it, like, well, number one, the refing was garbage. I, you know, I, I want to say the refing has been horrible. Like it has, it's, you know, it, it was it, like, they're calling, they're letting a bunch of things go, a bunch of clutch and grab bullshit from, you know, like somebody posted a video yesterday during the game or it at least made its way onto my timeline during game four of this video of Tamu Solani um playing as a mighty duck back in like 95 I believe 94 95 um playing against the Rangers and it's this it's a, it's only like a 50 second video but it basically shows Solani just trying to get the puck and the board battles and how there's a Ranger I believe it's Jeff Bukaboom just like grabbing him and just like pulling him down in the middle of a regular season game, just like grabbing him and knocking him over, doing like everything in his power just to like manhandle him and like take him out and take him out, you know, like not injure him, but like, you know, take him out of the play in a way that's, you know, there were like five penalties max or minimum, I should say, in that play, in that whole 50 second clip. There were, he took like, the Rangers took like five penalties on Tame Solani. Nothing called. There's a ref standing right there watching it and calling nothing because this is the dead puck era where you're allowed to do whatever the hell you want to whatever star in the league you want because toughness is better than skill for some reason. That sell, yeah, that sells tickets. And that's kind of what, what's been going on in this series in the last couple games. Well, frankly, the whole series, the Blues are basically getting away with a bunch of like dead puck era crap where they're allowed to like hit and whack and slash and take like and take full on runs at players and just manhandle and manhandle the star players on the Canucks and get no calls and no calls going their way. And then you get Zach McEwen um, who cross checks a guy. It should be a penalty, but you go back to, Hey, what happened to all of the other cross checks that you didn't call from earlier in this game on different, on players that are way better than the one Zach McEwen just took out. I think it was like um, who I don't I don't have a dang it I don't have the uh, 
who who he uh who he who he knocked over or was it was it McEwen? No, sorry, it was um it was sorry Fantenberg. That's what I'm thinking of. Sorry, Oscar Fantenberg. McEwen also got a bullshit penalty. We'll get into that later. Um, just the fact that like there's no consistency. They're just calling whatever, and they're calling a bunch of makeup calls and everything, which is stupid because one team is clearly taking more penalties than the other. So why are they all getting why are they all getting penalized? There was the Brock Besser like slash on the hands, which was kind of a light tap as it was, but yes, it's a penalty. But and yet the the Blues were getting away with slashes and that sort of stuff the entire game before that. Like it's like what do you want to do? Why are you penalizing the good players against the the scrubs like who are just out there to like, you know, injure players and hurt people. Like, why is this happen? Why is this, why is this the way the refs decide to call this series? Why is this the way the playoffs are? Like this happens every year. And yet, like I'm mad about the refs, but at the same time, I can't really be because the Canucks were terrible in the power play. The Canucks got seven opportunities to, to the refs credit. They got seven opportunities. They had, or um, yeah, they had seven opportunities more than the, um, more than the, um, than the, than the Blues, or sorry, nine. They or nine. They had nine power plays. They had nine power play power play opportunities in this game. Am I getting this correct? Why is this okay? No, okay, I got it. Yep. No, it was seven. It was it was seven. I don't know. I'm reading the I'm reading the stat sheet and I'm messing up on stupid things. Seven opportunities. They had seven opportunities, like I said at the beginning, to get this right, to get a goal and stay in this game. It just disappeared. And a lot of that was due to the fact that the Blues, you know, as you play a series over time, you start to pick up on the other team's tendencies. And the Blues kind of have been building into that. They've been, like, whereas the Canucks power play was just lethal and killing them in the first two games, the last two games, they couldn't get nearly as much going. And in this particular game, it all, and it all peaks here, where they go 0 for 7 and only get 8 shots. 8 shots on 7 power play opportunities. Like, that's atrocious. That's, you know, that's 14 minutes of power play time that you get, you didn't, you didn't, you didn't capitalize on once. Like, that's not good. That's not good at all. Like, this is the sort of stuff that, this is the sort of stuff that causes a huge problem. Like, you know, like, it was that whole thing that the Blues were, no knew exactly where the puck was going. They knew they knew what the, the Canucks were going to do, which is pass the puck around, pass the puck around, and mate, and a shot from the defenseman or from the or from the for the uh, from the flanks. Like they knew that puck, their, uh, that shot was going to Pedersen. They knew they were reading it, and for some reason, the Canucks power play. Like I don't know if this is the players or the coaching. It's probably a little of both. But they didn't seem to adapt. They didn't seem to be like, okay, well they're noticing that we're doing this, so let's try this. And one of my favorite plays from the first game was where they adapted, was where Brock Besser noticed that the pass, noticed that the pass out into the slot for Bo Horvat was gone and there were just blues all around him standing still. Um, and he knew, well, okay, he's covered. I'm not going to get that pass out in front. It's just going to get intercepted. So instead he went to the front of the net and just jammed the puck at Jordan Bennington. The, uh, it hit Bennington's pad. The rebound bounced out to Pedersen, who did his like jump shot, jump shot goal. And in this game, that was gone. They, that, I never saw that tried. Like, they didn't try that once on Jake Allen. They didn't try that once on Jake Allen in two games. And, and I just kind of looking there like, what happened? Why are they not, like, trying to adapt more and seeing that the Blues are reading everything they're going for? 
And why are they so adamant that it has to go in this way or this way? They kept looking for the perfect shot and it just wasn't, and it wasn't there because the blues knew what was going on and they figured it out. This is, this is where teams can get in good teams and good skilled teams can get in trouble is when they think that the same, when they get, get into this complacency of we can do the same thing every time and it'll work. It's not, especially in a playoff series, when you're playing a team four to seven times, they're going to notice things. They're going to figure out what works and what doesn't. They, they, they get that. They'll get it over time. It's, unless they're a bad team, they're going to figure it out. Or you're just way more skilled than them. In this case, the Canucks and the Blues are pretty evenly matched. The Canucks might have a little bit more younger, skilled, younger, skilled, super skilled players, but they don't have the team depth that the Blues do, and they don't have the team defense that the Blues do. And, yep, and that's what killed them, especially in this last game. What killed them is they just weren't adapting to the play. And hopeful, and, you know, at this point, it sucks because, like I had said at the beginning of the series, anything they get is house money. They don't have to win anything. They can go home happy without winning a single thing here or even having a series lead. But the problem is now <laughs> they've, they've shown us they can win. <laughs> They've shown us they can beat this team and beat them well. Like, it's, it's, you know, they're clearly capable of winning this playoff series. So when they come out with this, this effort, and it goes so south so quickly, especially in the last two periods where they were just turnover after turnover after turnover, barely could get any offense going, except for the power plays, and then they were getting red, and then those players were getting red too easily. It, it's like, what's going on? Why, where did you, where'd you guys go? What happened here? Um, and that's what it's going to come down to in these final three games. So this is a best of three now. Two to three games left in this series. And I'm still very confident that the Canucks can get this done. And I think a lot of people are because they've shown it in those first two games. They've shown that they can win. Um, it's a matter of, number one, stop treating Jake Allen like he's like he's a like he's a completely different goalie from Jordan Bennington. Like they like yes, they are different goaltenders. They do have different styles. But for some reason, when Jake Allen went in net, the Canucks stopped doing the things that made them successful against Jordan Bennington, which isn't the right way to go about it. Like they were getting way more shots in close, a lot more chances of um a lot more rebounds and a lot more crashing the net. For some reason with Jake Allen, they seem to do go way back to the thing that really bothers me every time with this group. And the thing that bothered me during the regular season is where they'll just like kind of go up around the perimeter and just try and get a shot and hope it bounces in. Like the JT Miller goal, they got the deflection on that and it worked. But like most of the last two games, Allen, Jake Allen's just been snagging everything and it's just going right into the glove or swallowing up the rebound. He's quite good at it. Um, and they're not, they're not doing what made them successful against Bennington and Staylock, which is getting those pucks in low, in close, and trying to get rebounds because that will work with this guy. It, it will work against him if they get more shots in close. And they did during that first period. It just didn't connect. It's, that's what they need. And yet, for some reason, they really went back to the whole, we're just going to shoot from outside, the, from outside in the perimeter and hope that we get a bounce to go our way. And that's not the way they should approach this because they really, if they work to get to the front of the net and crash the net, that's what brought them a lot of success and a lot of goals and a lot of like of their best opportunities. They weren't getting to the dirty areas in front of the net. If they do that against Jake Allen and stop treating him 
in such a different way, like with such a different strategy of shot of what works against him, they'll find the, they'll find the scoring. They'll find their scoring touch again. It's just a matter of time. It's just a matter of time. They go, but at the same time, they don't have a lot of it. So they have to get through in the next, in game five today, when you're listening to this, um, they have to get it through that. Okay. More shots in close, more shots in the slot, low into the rebounds, make him bobble it, make him kick out bad stuff in right to our players who are waiting for it fight through that blues defense because they can do it um now you know the bottom six you know travis green said today that the bottom he's not worried about the bottom six i'm worried about the bottom six i it's time for some changes the big one being for me jake for okay like the whole team looked bad the problem with jake for is he disappeared like i didn't notice him at all in game four and Sometimes that's a good thing. Sometimes it's a good thing when a pl- it's good when a player is less noticeable and a little bit more quiet because sometimes that's what makes them scary and lethal is when you don't notice them and there they are right in the perfect place at the right time. With Jake Bertan, he just disappears. Like that ice time's just gone. Where did it go? It went somewhere. Don't know where. And it, you know, I'm I'm sick. I'm sick of Jake Bertan to be quite honest. Like I don't get tired of players very often. You know, I, I, I like to think that there's good reasons to have these players on for whatever reason, but what I'm seeing from, I'm not seeing anything from Jake. That's the problem. I'm not seeing anything that, that, that um, does he deserves to stay in the lineup for. He had the one play where he just back checked his ass off to uh, get to a puck before a blues player did after Tyler Myers made a, a mistake. But that's one play. That's the one. If that's the one play I'm noticing from a forward who's getting a decent amount of ice time, he was he. It's not a great. It's not a huge chunk. Like um, in game four, he he had 11 minutes, which isn't a lot. It's a it's fourth line minutes, but he still had more time on the ice than Antoine Roussel and Louis Erickson, who I think have been better and more noticeable than him in this series. Like. I don't, and uh, um, is that Zach McEwen? Same thing. Jay Beagle, same thing. Jake Furtanen had more ice time than all those players, all of which I think have done more. I've done a little bit more than him. And including Zach McEwen, who crashed the net. But yeah, per, um, I'm going to get mad one more time about the refs. Perron crashes the net on Jacob Markstrom 20 bajillion times a game. No problem. Zach McEwen goes in, gets a little too close to Jake Allen, gets manhandled by three St. Louis Blues players, and he's the one that comes out with the penalty. Yeah, that's you're doing a great job at keeping the pace. Great job, refs. Great job. Um, but with Vertanen, I'm not noticing anything. Like it's just not there, and I'm I'm sick of him getting these chances and getting these opportunities. That okay, this time he's really going to kick it into high gear. This is his game. This is his time. This is playoff Jake Vertanen time, and it just goes and it just goes away. Like. I really want him to be successful. I want every player on this team to be successful, really. Like, I, I, want, to, I want to believe that they're capable of these better things. But with Jake, I'm not seeing it. And then I, I know there's a guy sitting ready to go in Adam Gaudet, sitting out a lineup who is a great energy player. He had that first game that went really badly for him against Minnesota. Uh, but I imagine a lot. But I I'm firmly believe a lot of that was due to the hey, he got hurt, and B, Michael Furland and Antoine Roussel were horrible. I were horrible and a liability in that game. Um, you know, with Gaudet, I think at the very least, he brings a lot more energy to the second power play unit, which has looked abysmal and might as well just, you know, 
is basically just kind of filling time at this point because you know it's they're not they're the they're the other Cleveland Cavaliers. Um, they're they're not LeBron. They're the other ones. Um, it's you know it's that's the case with this with that power play two unit. It's it's not doing anything. Adam Gaudet was very good at really bringing that group to life, which isn't a great power play to begin with, but he seemed to find success getting that group to help. Like he seemed to be the missing piece to that, to that group. And right now there's nothing there. There's nothing working. Nothing's working for him. And I don't get why a guy who I think is better in a playoff scenario than Jake Bertanen is currently sitting in favor of Jake Bertanen. I think it's time to bring Gaudet back. And if they, if they don't, if Travis Green decides to go back to Jake, first of all, I don't know why, considering this at the beginning of the series, at the beginning of the playoffs, you had no problem sitting, benching Jake for 10 and in favor of Adam Gaudet. I don't know what exactly has changed, considering I don't think Jake for 10 has, what, more than a point in these playoffs, if, if that. Like, he hasn't done necessarily anything to deserve to stay, so I don't know why you would be so comfortable keeping him now versus at the beginning. But it's time. Gaudet is perfect, is a perfect player for this kind of thing. And I think if they put him back in favor of Jake, I think it goes, it could go, things could go a whole lot better for that group and that bottom six and the energy that they need. Because right now that's the big thing that's missing is energy from anyone but those top six players. And, you know, they're really missing Tyler Zafoli right now because Zafoli's still hurt. I... I, it's not looking good that he's going to come back before this series is over. So, which is not good. I mean, he's still in the bubble. Unlike uh, poor Vladimir Tarasenko, who's done. I I don't remember what exactly the injury was to Tarasenko. I believe it's a shoulder injury. Uh, I'm going to check the Blues Twitter account while I do this. But like, you know, like um, Toffoli's probably not coming back for this series. If it does, that's great and that's a huge help. But you need right now, what you need is a jolt. What this team needs is a kick and a jolt that they had at the beginning of the series. And then the last two games is just gone. They need somebody to spark a little energy back into this lineup. Again, they have players on the, on the, in the lineup who are capable of doing that, but some of the guys who aren't need to make way for players that can like Adam got And I I'm, I'm ready for that. I'm ready to see that change because they've ran with this lineup in two games in a row and it's not, and it's gone from okay to worse to really bad. And I think, I think Godet is, I'm not going to say he's going to change the whole thing around, but I think he brings at the very least more stability to that bottom six, which has been not good in these last couple of games. Um, and with that, you know, <laughs> I've talked a lot going in, you know, going into game five about game four, going into game five. Again, I think this series is winnable. I think this series is perfectly winnable. I think they've made it clear that this team is winnable. Um, my Daniel Wagner put out a great article today talking about how um, maybe the best thing the Canucks can do about Ryan O'Reilly, who's all of a sudden turned into a Canuck killer, which, and him and David Perron, just, I hate them both right now. I hate Ryan O'Reilly because he's good. I hate David Perron because he's the worst. Different reasons, but I still don't like them right now. Um, the idea of maybe the best thing the Canucks can do is let Ryan O'Reilly focus on Elias Pettersson instead of, um, instead of trying to keep them separated, which they did in the last two games and it went badly for them. All of a sudden Ryan O'Reilly started finding the back of the net like crazy. His argument is that if 
Ryan O'Reilly is more focused on chasing Pedersen around the ice and keeping him from scoring, that frees up everybody else. And that's a genius idea. And that's actually, like, that's a really good idea. It really, that's something that a lot of teams, I think, have found successful where they just, like, we need to stop caring about this issue and let it happen because then it frees up everybody else. Like, there was a, there's a YouTube, or there's, like, a video from an old, like, Leafs, like, like, playoff run or something, I think from, like, 93, that I've seen online before, where they talk about how, I remember, like, Dino Cicerelli was being annoying from the Red Ring, from the Detroit, at the Detroit Red Wings at the time, was being annoying in front of Felix Potvin's net uh, for the Leafs during this playoff series. And they decided that instead of focusing all their energy on getting Dino Cicerelli out from in front of the net, they're just going to let him stand there and let Potvin deal with it. And all of a sudden, the goal stopped going in. The rebound stopped popping out. Potvin was dealing with it on his own, and it worked. That's sometimes what it takes. Sometimes you think that the best way to solve this problem is to address it, is to do everything in your power to prevent that problem from existing. Maybe sometimes you just need to let that problem happen because it frees up a bunch of solutions on the way. And I think, I think Daniel makes a good point on that. I think that's a really good way to maybe focus less. Yes, it means Pedersen might not have as many scoring chances as, he ha- as he's used to, and those first two games were very much proof of that, but the Canucks were also, sco- also scored a lot of goals in those first two games when they focused on him, including players like lower rank players, lower rate players on the depth chart were scoring. Like that's good. If you're freeing those players up at the expense of a couple less shifts for, for Elias Pettersson, and it goes a little bit, it's a little bit of a tougher matchup for him, but you're able to free up all these other guys to start putting pucks in the net. That might be the solution. That might be what puts you over the top here. And I think I think that's what they need to that's what they need to look at and hopefully you know especially considering they're going to go into game five with sec with first change the Blues have last change so they got to see what's coming out on the ice first maybe the Blues will play right into their hand and put Ryan O'Reilly out there against every matchup on Pedersen and it might free up some space and it might free up the time I really think the Canucks can get it done Brock Besser needs to come alive a little bit he's struggled I don't want to say he's been bad because he hasn't been like I don't think he's been awful I just think he's been having a little bit of bad puck luck um but obviously they need that to come back because he was amazing in the Minnesota series it'd be great to have him back especially when Bo Horvat's scoring at the pace that he's going I think this team could go long could go long ways and really cook the blues in these final in these final two or three games if they can get him going I again I am stressed out of my mind about this series now I, I i liked it a lot better when i was when when we were up two nothing I, I am i am i wrong for thinking that that it was better when it was two nothing i i don't think so um that's what it's gonna you know it comes down to three games that's all it's gonna that's what it is and i really really hope the canucks can extend this by another couple weeks even if that means going and getting your asses handed to you by colorado or vegas who cares i want as much hockey as i can now because who knows when it's coming back? Vancouver, they got guys, positive vibes. I think, I think they can get this done. Before we get out of here, I'm going to quickly go over some playoff, some other playoff series. Um, again, not too much, just because there's a lot going on. There's a lot of stuff. There's a lot that's on the line. Like right now, uh, Vegas and Chicago are playing. As I'm recording this, they're playing game five. And the Hawks are suddenly coming to life? Like, where was this for the first three games? I mean, Corey Crawford's just been lights out and just being Corey Crawford. You know how he is. 
Um, he got all three stars in the first game against, in the, or sorry, game four against Vegas, and deservedly so. Um, you know, it's I I I don't think they're gonna win this series. I think you'd be crazy to think that. If they did, it would be a an absolute miracle and make it all the more and while well, at the same time making it all the more important that the Canucks keep going because all of a sudden, holy crap, the door just swung open. Let's go. Um, the Avalanche, whereas compared that, although right now they're, you know, they're, they are on pace to fa- face Vegas right now, although that could change because um, Dallas is, because Dallas is up 3-2 on Calgary after their win today. Uh, Calgary is without Matthew Kachuk due to a concussion, which is a crippling, crippling blow. And I think that might be enough to finish their series, which sucks because we really needed Calgary to win. Um, but, you know, Matthew Kachuk, that's your best player. That's your best forward. Pl- forward. You hate, love him or hate him. Like, he's a skilled forward, and he's their best scoring threat, frankly. And I think without him, they're a little stuck. Um, and Dallas is just much more built depth-wise to handle this sort of th- the playoffs than the Flames are. Um, and a lot or you know, I don't want to say grittier because that's not right, but like, you know, they're, you know, they're, they're just the way they they're built. They're built a little bit more for the long, for a long haul of the playoffs than the flames are. The flames are a little bit, you know, they're not there. They're not that. Um, and so that hasn't gone. And, you know, without Kachuk, I think they might be cooked, which sucks, but hopefully that game goes seven. I would like to see that. That's been a good series. I would love to see that game, that series go to the full go the max seven. Um, Colorado is just destroying worlds. I mean, it didn't look like they were for the first three games. The first three games were very close. And then all of a, and then all of a sudden the Avs just woke up and scored seven on the Coyotes in game four. I don't know why so many – I saw a lot of people were very, very like, oh, the Coyotes can handle this. And I was like, really? Like, you think they're going to be able to beat Nathan McKinnon, Gabriel Landeskog? Miko Rantanen, you, Hale McCarr, you think that they have, like, I know they're a good team and they're good defensively, but you really think that they can beat that destroyer of worlds group? I don't think so. Like, that was a weird, I saw a lot of people pick the Coyotes and like a surprisingly large amount. And I was like, that's, I don't know why you're making that choice. Like the Coyotes are good. They have good, their best years are still ahead of them. I don't know why you would pick them over Colorado. That's a weird call. That's a very weird call in my in my opinion. I mean, Colorado's the most complete team, I think. Well, I guess Vegas is the more complete team, but Colorado is pretty damn close. They're a close second. Um, and right now they're I, I think they're gonna be fine. I think they're gonna win that next game and they're gonna move on. Um, you know, further cementing the Canucks need to go through one of the Titans of the Western Conference if they wanna go any farther after this. Again, we're gonna keep we're going to keep working on this the way that we should, which is that they're going to get this done because I believe. Um, over in the East, uh, Philadelphia leads their series three games to one. Um, they, had a, they had a good game today. They played, very, they played well. Um, you know, like, I mean, this is what I expected from the Canadians, from the, from the Flyers and the Canadians. Like, I mean, you know, two nothing, still close. Like, it's still a decently close game, but they didn't look so good. The Canadians didn't look so good. Um, uh, Carter Hart standing on his head. Like, this this kid's going to win the Hart – or not the Hart Trophy, the Conn Smythe Trophy, if you you ask me. I think they're going to win it. If it's, you know, 
this is I think the Flyers are going to win the Cup regardless of who they play in the finals, and I think Carter Hart's going to be your Conn Smythe guy. I look at right now. Um, Tampa Bay, Columbus. I am very sad because the Jackets seem to have just, just, just evaporated a little bit, which is like you know they're close, but the Lightning are really finding their way back into we're not going to let this team that clowned on us last year. Uh, take another series from us and the lightning have kind of found their rhythm again um i would like to see columbus pull out a magic um come back from three games to one down to win the series i would love to uh but that's a tough road that's a tough road i think they've got some possibilities to do it but they look but they're pretty exhausted i don't from especially from that leaf series and from that first quintuple overtime game the lightning obviously played that but they also played an easy round robin right so I don't know if if uh, the schedule and time is on their side, unfortunately, for the Jackets. Hopefully it is, because I would love to see the Jackets move on. But Tampa has been the better team, and they on paper they were they're supposed to be. Um, Washington, New York Islanders. Uh, the Islanders destroyed the Capitals in the first three games. Thank God the Capitals came back. I'm shocked that the series has gone the way it has. Um, Varlamov looked very good and amazing in those first three games. Uh, much more human in game, uh, game in game four. Um, are the Capitals going to come back from three down? Honestly, if any team could do it, it's them. They're that skilled. They're that good. They have Alex Ovechkin, who's a cheat code. Like they could. I'd. I. If they do it, I'm not going to be like unbelievable. This is crazy. Un. This is the wow. Like I'm not going to be like that because I. I would be like. Yep, yeah, that sounds about right. That 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 scans like because you can never count out the Washington Capitals with that with that lineup ever. Brayden Holpe's a little bit iffy, but I would say frankly, you just can't count out that group. It's be silly too. And the same way, I really don't want to count out Carolina because yes, they have lost Andrei Svechnikov, and then Jordan Stahl got elbowed in the face by Charlie McAvoy, who's like low key one of the dirtiest players in the NHL. And then the Bruins came back and won that hockey game. I'm still mad about that too. <laughs> um, Boston leads three to one. I like to think Caroline has it in them, but oof, without Svechnikov, I think they might be cooked. I think they might be cooked a little bit here. And that really sucks because I, I really had high hopes for them this year. They deserve to go farther than the first round. They've really got some, uh, they've gotten some garbage refing as well. They're the, they're, the Canucks and the Carrot Canes to me feel like kindred spirits a little bit. Although one team has won the cup, excuse me. One of these teams has won the cup and the other hasn't. Excuse me while I cry for a little bit. Um, the Hurricanes and the Canucks are both teams that are have a very young, very dynamic core that I think's best. The future is really bright for them and they could end up being the Titans of their division or their conference in the, in the future. Um, and I, I, think, I see a lot of the Canucks in the Canes that I really like and that's why I love watching them. Albeit the Hurricanes are a little bit more entertaining sometimes, I think, um, uh, because they're they're younger because they're younger and they haven't put a lot of money into Brandon Sutter and Jay Beagle. Um, but I hope they can get this done because I don't want another Boston. I don't want the Boston Bruins to make the Eastern Conference Finals again. Don't don't do this to me. Don't do this to me. I can't handle it. Yes, last year we got the Marchand crying gif out of it, which was fantastic and a, a godsend. But I don't want to see them in the finals again, please, for my own sanity. Uh, don't, 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 don't let this happen, especially considering they're using Yaroslav Halak in net, who I like, but 
He's not too Rask. Don't let them do this. Don't let this happen, guys. Come on, Carolina. You got this. All right. That is it for this episode. We made it through the whole one without, without having to stop. That's or pause for a break. That's awesome. Um, thank you for listening. Um, um, what is there to say? Well, uh, game five tomorrow night, tonight, when you're, when you're getting this tonight, um, yes, there will be an episode tomorrow after game before game six, there will be an episode before game six, um, and possibly game seven, depending on how it goes. Um, but either way, you can look forward to that in a couple days. Thank you for listening. Uh, if you enjoyed the show, please check out my Patreon for uh, patreon.com slash lock in the crease for three bucks a month. You get, you get a uh, one bonus episode every single week, including one that I have not yet recorded. We're going to, I've got a couple ideas in the bank. We're going to record that probably to probably the same day I record the um, probably the same day I record the, uh, the other episode, the other, the, the other, the game six episode. Um, we'll probably do that at the same time. Um, you can also check out my work at lockinthecrease.com. I do articles and other stuff, um, over there, um, you know, that I'm really excited about. Uh, if you're watching this on YouTube or you want to check out the CreaseCast YouTube, there is a link below for you to subscribe to our YouTube account, full videos of the podcasts going forward. And we're having, and I'm having a lot of fun doing these. So I, this is, this is the future of this, this podcast. I'm having fun with it. And with that in mind, thank you for listening positive vibes going into game five this roller coaster is nuts and it has so many twists and turns and let's hope that uh let's hope that we get to that we get to keep on going for a few more game for a few more game at least two more game two or three more games i should say you know there's 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 a the dreams ahead for this group i really i think they got this positive vibes everybody good night <laughs>